Glory to God. Did you bring your Bibles? All right, let's make our declaration this morning. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. And I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. So, Father, today we thank you for your word. We thank you for your covenant word to us. We thank you, Father, that it is a sure word of promise. And, Father, we thank you that you watch over your word to perform it. So we choose to set our life in agreement with your declared will for our lives. In Jesus' name, everybody says, Amen. Amen. So as we talk about covenant this morning, we begin this. This is what you need to understand. People say, I want to know the will of God. The will of God is his covenant. That's exactly what the definition of covenant means. It is a divisive, a divisory will. Amen. It is a testament. How many have a last will and testament? Hopefully, almost all of you. Hopefully, you have a living trust or you have your affairs in order. Please, if you're getting older, anywhere close to my age, set your affairs in order. I'm just going to interject this right now. Take care of your, your, your arrangements for when, when, for, for when you pass. Don't make your children have to figure out how to do your memorial. Amen. I've been through too many seasons where people have made no preparation. And if the Lord tarries, you will not be here forever. I'm trying to say it as nice as I can. <laughs> and so make preparations for when you're no longer here. Amen. And, and have those things in order and deal with that. But if you do that, then in your will, you declare how your proceeds are going to be dispersed. How what you remains are and you're going to, what's going to be divided up. So it's, it's your declared, it is your will, a declaration of your will. And so you write in there what each person gets, what belongs to them, and it's declared in there. That's what the Bible does. God has declared His will. We've been made a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? In your will, you write down who the heirs are, you give their names, their names are listed there, and, that, and that's what we have. And so, uh, let me just give you, and I'm going to throw this out the other day as I was just praying and watching everything that's going on, and this is why it's so important for you and I to walk in forgiveness. What you're seeing today happen in the world in Israel is the result of bitterness and unforgiveness. You have people that, that have no forgiveness towards somebody else or whatever they feel the, the animosity is, and it's handed down from generation to generation to generation, and it's perpetuated, and it's destroying generation after generation after generation, and it's creating mass destruction and annihilation. Amen? And that's what's happening when it turns into wars and things like that. But the same type of thing happens spiritually and in our own life. If I don't walk in forgiveness and release towards people, it becomes a root of bitterness in my life. And it will spring up and defile many. And it can become like this, a generational curse. Amen? And so it's vitally important that we learn how to forgive. And so that's so important. And then let me just say this along this line. If you don't understand covenant, then you won't understand everything that's going on in the world. Because Israel is God's covenant nation. There's only one nation in the world, and it's not America that God made a covenant with. Amen. America is not God's chosen nation. Amen. Israel is God's only nation, and Jesus is God's only man. Israel is God's covenant nation, and Jesus is God's covenant nation. 
man. That's why the Bible tells us the New Testament teaching says to be in relationship with God, in covenant with God, you have to be in Christ Jesus. You have to be in Him. God made covenant with Christ. We're going to see this morning. He made covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is His covenant man. Israel is His covenant nation. And if you don't get that right, then you won't clearly understand everything else that is going on. So look at your... Well, before we get into this, go with me to Hebrews chapter 13. We're just going to talking about the everlasting covenant. So this is going to be a study as we go through this. And uh, it's not a sermonette. Amen? Hebrews chapter 13, and look at verses 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of what? The everlasting covenant make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in, working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. So everything in our life as a believer is in, through, and by the Lord Jesus Christ. We enter into a relationship with God in covenant through the Lord Jesus Christ. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 3. In these next few weeks as we go through this, this is going to be, if you would, kind of like a discipleship training class. I'm just going to teach on covenant and lay it out to you. And uh, it's exciting. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 1. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of, of Christ Jesus, for you Gentile, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of grace was given me, was, which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made me know, watch this, the mystery, as I have briefly written already, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Somebody say the mystery of Christ. It's important. Verse 5, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel, of which I became a minister according to the gift of grace given to me, by the effective working of His power. To me, whom am less than least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentile the unsearchable riches of Christ and make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery from the beginning of what? The ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to what? The eternal purpose which He accomplished, watch this, in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in Him. Therefore I ask that you do not lose heart at my tribulation for you, which is your glory. Now turn over to chapter 1 real brief. We'll read one more passage here. And get into our message this morning. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. 
And Paul says this, having made, back up to verse 7, in him or in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace, which he made abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will. So hear that. He makes known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. You need to hear that. Which he purposed in himself that in the dispensations of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Amen? So, now walk with me through this. So that's a lot of scripture that we just read. But I want you to see that God's had a mystery. There are things that are being revealed. It's revealed by the Spirit. So look at your outline. When it comes to understanding God, His purpose and plan for our life, it is almost impossible to do so without proper understanding of covenant. How can we wrap our minds around words like everlasting, eternal, before time began? Saying the words and yet being able to fully conceive them in our minds are two different things. How many would agree? We can say, though, but really to grab, though. So what are we dealing with? He is the God who is bigger than words. God is bigger than the words that we use to express His existence. We are not to be discouraged by our inability to comprehend the One who is beyond comprehension. The Holy Spirit is our teacher and the One who is here to reveal the things of God to us. He is the revealer of all truth to our life. Jesus said in John 14 and John 16 to his disciples, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you, and he's going to take what is mine and show it to you. Jesus said, I've received everything from the Father. Now the Holy Spirit is going to show you what I have received. So he is the revealer. He is the one that makes known to us the wisdom of God. Could you say amen? So he's working in our life. So the Holy Spirit is our teacher, and he's the one revealing things. We need a right understanding of covenant to unlock the mystery hidden through the ages. So Paul talked about, he's saying to the church at Ephesus, there's this mystery that's been hidden from the ages, and now God has revealed it through Christ, and it comes through understanding the everlasting covenant. Look at the next part. From the beginning of recorded history, Wherever we find human being, we find the making of covenants. From the beginning of his existence, mankind has attempted to forge unbreakable relationship. That's what a covenant is. If you enter into a covenant, you're declaring, I'm entering into an unbreakable relationship. We don't understand that in our culture today. We live in an age of disposable relationships. Amen. So what? To bring about, so man looked to bring, to forge an unbreakable relationship, to bring about commitments, to honor the keeping of promises and fulfilling of obligations even unto death. From the beginning of time, man has been aware of a high love that does not come naturally to him, one that he must bind himself to with an oath. So there's something that declares in us, in us that there is a love that is so high, I may not comprehend it, but, but I know that I must be bound to it by an oath of my will. 
the question arises as to where did man get the lofty ideas that are contained in covenant? Who taught him that there was a love beyond feelings that was a commitment unto death? Who instructed him that he could aspire to faithfulness to his word that he bound himself to for the love, for, for the love of truth and for another human being? Think about that. How many know that's what marriage is supposed to be? How many know that's not the definition of marriage in our culture today? That's why in our vow, many times people today don't want traditional vows anymore. They don't want the vows of until death do us part. Are you doing all right? And so we'll illustrate to you in just a moment. And let me just put you like this. You have an adversary. There's one thing that the devil doesn't want you to have. He doesn't want you to have the benefits of covenant. He doesn't want you living in covenant relationship. Are you doing all right? And he wants you, his purpose is to eternally separate you from the presence of God. He wants you separated from the presence of God. He doesn't want you. Now, covenant love is not an emotional love. It's not human love of feelings and emotion. Covenant love, or God's kind of love, we're going to see in a moment, the hased of God, the covenant term of hased is love that is centered in the will. It means I will to love you. My vow to my wife is I will love you for the rest of my life regardless of how you make me feel. Because my love is not centered in my feelings, it's centered in my will. Love centered in feelings is fragile. Love centered in will is unmovable. Amen? So look inside your outline. So where did man come up with this concept of an oath that was defined in terms of to seven oneself? It's a biblical term of doing that. So go with me to Genesis chapter 21. There's an account here between Abraham and Abimelech. In Genesis chapter 21, these two men enter into a covenant with together. Verse, Genesis chapter 21, begin in verse 22. And it came to pass at that time that Abimelech and Philcol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham, saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now therefore, watch it, swear to me by God that you will not deal falsely with me, with my offspring, with my posterity, but that according to the kindness that I have done to you, you will do to me and to the land in which you have dwelt. And Abraham said, what? I swear. So what are these men doing? They are making, they are exchanging vows and they're making a covenant. Where did they get this idea that this is how you forge a relationship? Interesting. Then Abraham rebuked Abimelech because of a well of water. Abimelech's servants had seized. And Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this. You did not tell me, nor had I heard of it until today. 
So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech. So he's vowing, but there's an exchange here in covenant. Here's this exchange. And of the and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made what? Made a covenant. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flocks by themselves. Then Abimelech asked Abraham, What is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs which you have set by themselves? He said, You will take these seven ewe lambs from my hand, that they may be my witness that I have dug this well. Therefore he called that place Beersheba, because the two of them swore an oath there. Thus they made a covenant at Beersheba, so Abimelech rose with Philco and the commander of his army, and they returned to the land of the Philistines, and Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba, and there called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines, Many days. So where does man get this idea that you can make covenant? Now I'm telling you what I'm teaching you today, and we're going through this lesson, will not be average Christianity. Average Christianity is I pray to prayer, and I believe in the Lord, and now I'm off on my own. I'm free to do whatever I want. I just come and go as I please, and... Don't require anything of me. Please don't make a request of me in any form or any fashion. That's average Christianity or American Christianity. So watch this. God gave the revelation of himself to the first members of the human race, revealing to him that in his infinite being, his covenant love, meaning faithful to himself and to his word, even unto death. God says, I'm faithful. God revealed himself to man that he is faithful to his word even unto death. Amen. And in covenant, that's what you would swear. In covenant, when you made a blood covenant, one of the terms was in making covenant, when you made the sacrifice and blood was shed, and traditionally in Old Testament time, you would take one of those sacrifices as Abraham prepared with God, and you would split it down the back and lay it open, and then it was a gory thing. It was an amazing thing. But then you would walk through that blood, and the declaration was, may God do this to me and more if I ever break my word to you. So let me show you what God has done. God sent His Son as your sacrificial lamb, as the covenant lamb of God. God shed the blood of His Son, and God has walked through the blood of His Son as a seal of His commitment to us. And when you and I enter into covenant with the Lord, we are saying, Lord, may that be done to me and more. May I be crucified and more if I ever break my vow to you. Nobody wants to get saved by that commitment today. Nobody wants to be vowed to God with that kind of a commitment today. But if you don't understand covenant, then you miss out and you are now a soft target for the enemy. Are you doing okay? Amen. So watch this. So because he is the God who is bigger than our minds can conceive, he must be revealed to us. In Matthew 16, Jesus told Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. 
that Jesus was the Christ. Our minds cannot understand or ultimately conceive him. We can walk around him. We can stretch our mind to the uttermost limit. Yet essentially, we cannot comprehend God. Like John and Paul, we have met him in the face of our Lord Jesus Christ and beheld the glory of the only begotten Son of God. But we need the revealer working in our life. What does that mean? Our hearts must be open to the work of the Holy Spirit or all we have for our relationship with God is just mere externals and, and an empty shell. The Word will never be alive excuse me, with power in our hearts and we will never discover the depth of God's love for us. Now, I want you to think about this. When God made covenant with us, He's swearing and committing His love to us even unto His own death. If God, He swore in such a way that if He ever breaks His word, He no longer can exist as God. God has put His His very existence as who He is on the line. The devil understands this emphatically. And he tries to get God to move outside of his word, and he cannot. That's why you have to be a person of the word. That's why this word is so important to you. That's why this is so hard for you. Why does the devil distract you? Come on, you never get distraction watching your favorite movie. The devil never tells you not to spend three hours watching that. He says, no, you should binge the whole series. You have time to watch every series of whatever it is. But try to spend three minutes in the Word. And He pulls you out of it. Something comes, distraction comes, to pull you away from God's Word and from knowing the truth. So you have to be somebody who, this has to be the most important voice in your life. God's written Word, God's recorded Word written to you in covenant. Is the most important thing in your life. Well, why is everything going apart? Why is this not working? How come that's not working? How come I have no peace? Because you don't know your covenant with God. You're running around living your life in your own strength, your own circumstance. See, in covenant with God, when I don't have strength, I call on my covenant partner, and he comes and keeps his word. If you need me, I am there. That's what covenant is for. When you need somebody, they're, they're there for you. They come alongside. Are you doing all right? So we need that in our lives. Think about it. The God who is bigger than words goes beyond the confines and imagination of men's mind. Let me go back to this mere externals for a moment. This is what we've done. Because we don't understand the concept of what happened, Adam passed down to you and I through his transgression. You were born with a sin nature. And the problems of your life are the symptoms that are the evidence of the nature of sin on the inside of you. Whether it's addiction, whether it's bondages, whether it's influence, the things you're involved in that are struggles and and commit the problems in our life, those are symptoms of the surface problem of a sin nature on the inside of you. And because we don't understand the fullness of our redemption, the church has been dealing in external symptoms. We're trying to help you with this problem, help you with that problem. If if you would just get a new nature, you lose the problem. Jesus didn't come to deal with our symptoms. He came to remove the nature that causes the symptoms. Are you doing all right? 
That's why he came. That's why he didn't die for our sins. He came to take away the sin, singular, of the world. And so when you take the sin nature out of a man, the symptoms go with it. Are you doing okay? It's so important to understand. But in doing that, then that means that I have to die to my old life. That's why Christianity is a resurrection, not a remodeling. Jesus didn't come to remodel your life. He came to annihilate the old man and raise up a new man that has his nature. Peter said we've been made partakers of the divine what? Nature. Amen? And when I live by a new nature, I'm now no longer driven by a sin nature, but a new nature. Are you doing okay? But we would rather deal with the externals and feel like we're doing good because we help people with this problem, with that problem, this problem. And man, I get in trouble every time I say this. I better stay over here. Amen. It'll come out later somewhere probably. Amen. So watch this. So the God who is bigger than words goes beyond the confines and imagination of man's mind. In spite of this, Christianity is to be a knowing. Paul's desire in Philippians 3 was to know Christ and for us to know Him as well. This is a knowing that can only come through covenant commitment. It is a knowing beyond just the understanding of the human mind. It flows through connection and covenant relationship. It is a vow to life for life unto death. It is a mixing and a blending. Okay? Going over there. I know many of you wonder what this is up here. This is you entering into covenant relationship with God. This is the life of God. God invites you into His life. This is you, me. God says you can have life. Now, I could just put the egg in there, and the two will never become one. And so we have a lot of wet Christians who just go in but never get broken and release their life. Because see, in this shape, I got my life in control. Okay? But see, to truly be in a relationship with Him, I have to be broken. And I have to lose... My life in Him. Now it's okay, but wait a minute. I can still see you in there. And so, okay, I'm, co I'm cool with that. But does it have to go further than that? Oh, yeah. You have to get to a place where we can no longer tell the difference between you and Him. Oh, yeah, the Holy Ghost. I don't like the Holy Ghost. He stirs things up. Uh-oh. Help! Help! Somebody get a towel. Help! 
Don't just sit there and get a towel. There's a towel under my chair. There's a black towel right there under my chair. All right, we'll be cleaning up. Ah! Who came up with this crazy illustration? Me. There we go. Down there. Thank you, Davey. Sorry, Karina, I messed up your decoration down there. Look at that. Hallelujah. That's all right. We'll get it. Glory to God. Well, there you go. Get him, dear. Get him. Hallelujah. Okay, pay no attention to the woman in the front of the church. <laughs> Don't let her distract you. But in there, how many know you could no longer separate the egg from the milk? But if we just put the egg in there, it can come in and out, and, and it has its identity. Being in Christ, being in covenant, means there's no longer an ability to be separated. When the Bible says the two become one in marriage, God gave us marriage so we would understand the union. And then out of that union, new life is supposed to flow out of that union. The same as new life is created between the union of a man and a woman, there's new life that's come out of you in your covenant union with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're supposed to live out of that new life. Can you say amen? That's where we're supposed to live. And uh, from next time, we'll use glass contain. I mean, plastic containers. Amen. I get excited over illustrations. Amen. So watch this. So look at the next part. What we will know of God will not come through the process of our limited natural understanding. It will come through the revelation of who He is and how sure His word of covenant is to us. We will never know Him beyond our ability to believe His Word and to receive it as an everlasting covenant. That means it cannot be changed or altered. True worship comes when I reach a place when I cannot express in words, but I stand in awe of the God who is beyond the limits and boundaries of my mind. True worship is when I don't need the externals. I don't need the atmosphere to be set. I don't need the music to be right. I don't need anything. I'm just in awe of who He is. Amen? That's true worship. We've gotten to a place today that we think worship is based upon what happens up here. If you can only worship based upon what happens on a platform, on a CD, on a radio, or on this, on that, or the music that is there then you'll never know what Paul and Silas knew in the jail, in the midnight hour, after being beaten and tortured and put in a dungeon in the middle of the hour just singing, I think I'll just praise Him right now. I think I'll just lift my hands and lift my voice. Say, Father, I love You. I glorify You. Because Paul had a revelation of who he was and who he was in him. And as he began to praise God in the most un- likely place 
The Bible says the prison was shaken and the chains fell off. Some of you want chains to fall off, but you can't worship God for who He is. There has to be all these externals added to your worship. You need a revelation by the Holy Spirit of who you are in covenant with. And no matter what your circumstances in, in the middle of that circumstance, I can begin to praise Him and God will cause the chains to fall off. And I will walk out of that place free in Jesus' name. Amen. So watch it. That's why God can only be known by revelation. Faith comes out of a pure fear of the Lord. This is not a fear that is accompanied by trepidation, but a pure awe of who He is. Faith is more than the application of simple help, self-help principles to our lives. Through this kind of faith, Abraham offered up Isaac fully expecting a resurrection because Abraham knew he was in covenant with God and covenant is for life and for death. It is a relationship for life and of life for life. If you get that, it is a covenant relationship for life and of life for life. Excuse me. This kind of is what Abraham offered up and Jesus went to the cross and the grave fully expecting a resurrection because of covenant. I'll get you that in a moment. So watch this. You cannot file God under G. He takes more than a proof text and a simple explanation to know and to understand. It takes more than a theology class in Bible school or discipleship training. Man, for the most part, has chosen to file God within the confines of a limited mind. When we feel we can't think Him, that's when we've gotten to a good place. When I can't think God, I need to get to the place where He can reveal Himself to me. We are now at the point where he can, we can begin to receive Him. When you can't think Him, you get to the place where you can receive Him. It is true that we can know Him as a person, but He is not, nor can He be confined to the limits of human personality. God became man, but how many know Jesus was greater than Je Jesus said this? Watch this. So uh, go, go back to my broken illustration here. What did, what, what, what did Jesus say? He said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and my Father are one. So you can't confine God or Jesus to just human personality. Because he says, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We're supposed to understand that God wants us to have a relationship with Him. A covenant connection. A unifying, a marrying, a blending of our life together. So much that when people see us, they would literally see Him as well. Amen. That we are one together. Not God in heaven and we're trying to reach Him, bring Him down, whatever your theology is. No, God, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then showing Himself and expressing Himself through our life. Are you doing okay this morning? So look at this. It's true that we can know Him, but we can't confine Him in that area. So how can the God who is bigger than words be known? How has he chosen to express himself and reveal himself to his creation as the object of his love? The answer is through the everlasting covenant. Don't forget years ago, John Muncie, our friend, was here before he passed away and was teaching, and I forget who it was, and Margaret Thatcher or somebody asked her, her one of her advisors, says, how can I know that the Bible is true and God is real? 
And he said, I'll give you one word. Israel. The Jews. No people in history has been persecuted like God's chosen people. Or God's nation. And through every attempt to annihilate them, they remain. You cannot remove them because God has declared an everlasting covenant with them. And there will always be a remnant and a seed to produce more. Are you doing all right? No matter what. And so if you don't understand that, no matter what, you can drop every nuclear bomb that is in the arsenal of the world on them. And there will still be a remnant. Because there is an everlasting covenant and God has declared His Word over them as His people and His nation. And you and I, when we are in Christ, we are grafted in to that everlasting covenant. Are you doing all right? Amen. Now watch it. Think about the land before time. There was an everlasting covenant of redemption that was made. Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Are you doing okay this morning? I know. Somebody said, well, I don't want to go to discipleship class. Well, I'll just bring it to you. Second Timothy, excuse me, chapter 1. Say, Pastor, why are you teaching it? Because in this day and in this hour with what is going on, I was going to read out of Daniel chapter 9. This is what it says. How do we know that we're coming near the culmination of all things? And God is keeping His covenant. Covenant is being fulfilled. What's happening in Israel right now could very easily escalate into a global conflict. If very many of the surrounding nations choose to get engaged in this with their international allies, this could escalate, my friend, to an area. And the Bible is very clear. You can read it in Daniel chapter 9. It says that the beginning of, or, or the, the coming of the Antichrist, or the man of sin, is revealed in the fact that he comes as a man of peace. And he brings peace to Israel. He brokers a peace that Israel enters into a covenant with him. And he becomes their ruler until three and a half years into the tribulation where he commits the abomination of desolation, sets himself up in the temple, and declares himself as God. And from there on, we know the rest of that, but I'm not trying to get into all that. But we're coming very close to this could escalate to a place that it will take a man of peace to come in to resolve this conflict. Are you doing all right? Everything about this is engineered by Hamas in these to try to get other people to come to their aid and to make Israel the villain. Are you doing all right? And so the, 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 the mind behind this it's not just, and, and you have to understand, when you keep this in, in, in human form, that's where people miss it, because we get involved in, in taking sides and deal with that. But God has declared that this type of war and this type of calamity would come at the end of the age, because God is about to deal with humanity as a whole. He's about to judge the nations of the world and to judge all of humanity. Amen. And he's organized something through the everlasting covenant to be able to do that in righteousness. All right. First Timothy, Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. And do not be, therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, 
nor of me his prisoner, but share with me in the suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our work, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentile. And that's what I'm doing today. I am teaching you today. Are you listening to me? It's so important. So let me ask you this question as we get to here and thinking about it. So throughout Scripture, there's a reference in, in Acts 15, 18, if you want to write it down for a reference, it says that God, that, that God knows all of His works from, be, from the beginning of the world. God is aware of all of His works, everything He's going to do from the beginning of the world. Watch this. Throughout Scripture, there's a reference of events that happened prior to history. There is reference to a place before time and space before matter. Something happened there that set in motion all that we know and experience today. That is what makes it so hard for man to grasp and comprehend the existence of time before him. So let me go back and let me ask you a question. How did God create man? How and why did he create it? And why would he, who was the only free will, choose to create man as another free will? I'm asking you questions that aren't in your outline. Why would he allow sin and disobedience to be introduced as an option to man? Why would God make a covenant in himself, with himself, to atone for sin and redeem man back to himself? In an everlasting covenant made before time. So let me illustrate it to you like this. Before time began, in eternity past, in heaven... Okay. How many know there was a fall and a rebellion that took place in heaven? Okay. And, and, and we're on our way somewhere in here. We're on a path between eternity past and eternity future. Right? How many know you're going to be with God forever in eternity? Amen? And so God has taken us there in eternity. But in here, there was a rebellion that took place in heaven. And in that rebellion, Satan rose up against God, right? And what did he say? He said, I will ascend my throne over God's throne. I will exalt myself over God, and I will rule. And that's the same spirit that's handed down to you and I. The number one problem we have with God is authority. Jesus came as an authority. By what power, by what authority are you doing this? We don't recognize your authority. And so Satan overruled it. And God said, now I have a problem. I have rebellion in heaven. So how do I purge? Watch this. How do I purge heaven of this sin and this rebellion without defending myself? Because for God to be righteous and just, he can't defend himself. So what does God do? Satan is cast down from heaven to the earth. So where does God stick us? Here. So God said, I don't know what to do. I'll put man here. Peaceful place. 
What could go wrong there? There's just the king of rebellion abides there. So he creates man there, and then in that place, in that perfect place on this little garden on earth, God puts there, and then he puts this one little tree in the middle. He says, everything else is yours but that. And I think what he actually put on there was a sign that said, wet paint, don't touch this. Because <laughs> we always want what we can't have. You ever watch little children, you say, don't touch that, and they walk towards it like this? Amen? Because sin abides in them. Amen? So God gave man the choice of what to do in his free will. He said it there. And so God, in his redemption, so man does this, but this is what God does. But before he creates man, before this comes about and sin enters in, God says, this is what I will do. I will make a covenant in myself with myself to redeem man. Before I put him there, Jesus was slain before the foundations of the world. Atonement was made. So God, God said, I'll make a way to redeem man back to myself. So watch this with me. Are you doing okay? Stay with me. So look at it. Because of what happened there, we are here. Jesus is here and the church his body is here. Before time began, covenant was made with God between the Father and the Son and witnessed by the Holy Spirit as the executor. And it has been unveiled and revealed bit by bit throughout the generations until fully revealed in Christ as we read by Paul. So the Father said, hey, I'm going to redeem man. But Jesus, the Word said, okay, then I am willing to become flesh. And to come and redeem them. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. And the Word chose to become flesh from before the beginning. So God's doing all this before man was created on the earth. And so now you walk through this whole plan. And God is revealing this covenant purpose. And then you come to Calvary. And the Word comes down before that and leads to there. So look at your outline with me. So the mystery now made known to us. In and through Christ. Everlasting is a word that refers to outside of time. Or in other words, there was a covenant made on behalf of man outside of and apart from time. So God made a way of escape before the problem entered. Are you doing all right? I know I'm probably melting some of your brains this morning, but it's good for you. Amen. Look with me if you would. Go, uh, go back. Well, we read it in Ephesians 3. And, uh, but you can read those other scriptures there. In for time's sake. These are strong words to declare that Jesus as the Lamb of God of sacrifice for sin was decided and known before the work of creation began. His death was not an accident, but it was the reason that he came. Now when you get over here, when we get past to the culmination of new things, the Bible says that there is going <laughs> to be a new what? Heaven. Amen. You know what I mean? And a new what? Okay, And what will be abolished is sin and transgression. 
okay, in such a way. So now, how is God judging that? He's no longer, because in this place, he has a nation, he raises up Israel, and here he raises up Christ. And so when Satan comes against his covenant nation and against his covenant man, God now has a right to judge him, not by based upon what he did in heaven, but he comes in, God comes in as our covenant redeemer. And God comes to redeem Israel, and he comes to redeem humanity as a whole. Are you doing all right? And so if I don't understand that, I don't understand what's going on in the world, and I miss it, and we get caught up in all of the personalities of things that are happening there. So let me finish this up this morning. So this brings us to the unsearchable riches of Christ. Can I tell you that after almost 45 years of being a Christian, I've yet to scratch the surface of all there is in knowing Him. Since December of 1978, I'm still discovering, it, it, get it, it is the unsearchable riches of Christ. What does that mean? That means in your Christian walk, you should never get tired of discovering who He is. You should always be hungry. Uh, they, uh, uh, what was her name yesterday? Desiree, I wouldn't call her Dee. Desiree yesterday, she gave an altar call and said, if you're hungry for the more, and the ladies came up wanting the more, you should always be hungry for more of the knowledge of God. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. <coughs> Amen. I say, Pastor, why are you saying that? Because listen, you are living in one of the most crucial times on the face of planet Earth. Amen. What's happening, it, it, this is not something just to check on the news every now and then then flip over to something else and watch what's going on. This is an amazing thing that's going on. Amazing thing that's going on. That's happening. And it literally could bring us into the culmination of all things. Now, I'm, I'm like this, and this is where our church is. We believe in the church being taken out before the tribulation began. We are not appointed unto wrath. The seven-year tribulation is God's judgment upon a God-rejecting world. And that all the nations of the world in that time are going to come against Israel. Israel becomes... The book of Revelation is focused completely on Israel. Jesus is the church. We are the body of Christ. And just keep that in mind. You are his body. God is not going to send his body through punishment again. Doing all right? Moses couldn't enter into the promised land because he struck the rock the second time. God said, don't strike the rock to get water. Speak to it. And God said, Moses said, well, how come I can't go in? And God said, because you struck the rock when I told you to speak to it. Because Jesus will only be smitten once for our transgression. Amen. And if you are his body, his body is not going to be judged again. We have, we have already been judged in him. He bore our judgment. Our judgment has already come. The world's judgment has yet to come. Are you doing okay? And so we're on the threshold of this possibly coming to pass in the very near future. What does that mean? That means this is the day and hour not for you to think about being a Christian, but to actually be one. This is the day and hour not for you to just put your egg in the milk, but to allow your egg to be broken and for your life to be blended with Him and be alive in Him. Amen. It's not a day to think about getting saved. This is the day to be saved. 
Amen. And be ready. Are you doing all right? So think about it. We were asked when we went to Bieber, how did you get here? A couple asked us, how did you end up in Bieber? Because nobody accidentally ends up in Bieber. So it had to be part of God's plan for our life. But you go back and look at how it happened and how we got there. And and in your life, you should look back. And if you're living for God, when you look back, you should be able to see that His purpose has led you to where you are at your station in life and not your desires. I don't live where I desire to live. I live under the lordship of Jesus Christ. We could sell our house. We could move to any place in the nation we want. We have enough money. We go buy cash, buy a nice house, do whatever we want. But I don't get to go where I want to go. I live under the lordship of Jesus Christ because I'm not going to give an account for politics of our nation or the things that I like or don't like. I'm going to give an account for whether I did his will or not. I'm not supposed to live to my own will. I live under lordship. Are you doing okay? So watch this. We will not know God until we understand love. God is love, has said. It is the word of covenant. It is difficult to translate into our culture, so we use words like mercy, goodness, steadfast love, loyal love, covenant love, loving kindness, and just kindness. Not mere human love, emotional and disposable, but love centered in will. Look at the last page of your outline. I have to finish this. We cannot truly love until we come to the place of sacrifice and of giving ourselves to another and for another. In loving my wife, I have to give my life to her and for her. It's not about me getting something out of that. It's about me loving her and wanting a relationship to be in a relationship to her so strongly that I'm willing to give all that I am to her and for her. What does that mean? That means I don't get a prenuptial agreement in case this doesn't work where I get my stuff back. If you're not willing to lose it all, stay out. Amen. We talked about it Monday night with the men in our men's group. And people said, well, what happened if you were hurt in a relationship? I said, trust again anyway. Because if you don't learn, see, love means to be completely open and exposed. You can't close anything up. It can't be based upon what somebody else did to you. If you don't open yourself up to completely trust and to be have that trust violated again, you can never truly love. You have to forgive. You have to let it go. Or you become a carrier of that for the rest of your life and you subject everybody else to pay for what you experienced. When they had nothing to do with what you experienced. And you bring the burden of the past onto your present and you make other people carry it on your behalf and then you wonder why you begin to say, this looks like that. You should never be able to say, this looks like that because this has nothing to do with that. Are you doing all right? That was that. This is now. And the, oh my goodness. So watch this. We give ourselves to another and for another. That's God's kind of love. This is the essence of covenant redemptive love. The love of God on display in the gift of His Son, Jesus Christ, to us, even before time began. This is truly grace to find an amazing grace. Let me close with this. What is grace 
What is covenant before time? Why covenant before time? We read in Ephesians 1, Paul explains that our salvation began before the creation and was dependent solely upon the Father making the saving agreement with the Son as a representative and substitute for us. So before time began, this covenant was made with the Father and Son, with the Holy Spirit being witnessed as the executor of the will that the Father said to the Son, I'll read. and so because of this covenant made between the Father and the Son, Jesus says, I know that I can go to the cross and you will raise me from the dead. Because we're in covenant and you have to keep your word. That's why Abraham walked up the hill and offered Isaac, because I know you gave him to me out of promise. You gave him to me out of death. This is my son who came from death and brought forth and was brought forth into life. So if you have to go back into death, you have to give him back to me, even if you have to raise him from the dead. That's why Abraham said, the lad and I are going to go yonder and worship, and we will return. Abraham said, I'm not, I don't care. I'll go lay my son on that altar. I'll fry him like French bread on that thing. Amen. But he's coming back down the hill with me. I have God's word. God swore it in blood. Are you listening to me? He swore it in blood. I hope this gets down on the inside. You have comfort. How can I know I can be healed? How can I know I can live under protection? How can I know I don't have to live in fear with everything that's going on? Because I have a covenant with God. You're his covenant people. Amen. God chose to bind himself to us by his word to get this. God... God didn't give his word to you. This covenant for your redemption and mine was not made to you. It was made to himself by himself. And he's keeping his word to himself to redeem us before he ever created us and put us in this place for the purpose of dealing with the devil out of righteousness and justice and true holiness. Amen? He chose us in himself not to deny us or to reject us. To deny us or reject us is to deny himself. He formed a no way out plan of love before he started because he is love. He is eternal love. Psalms 15.4, that we swear to our own hurt and we change not. See, we are redeemed into the place where covenant was made. We are redeemed into eternity. Redemption had to be made in eternity in order for us to receive the hope and the promise of eternity. Get this, this is the crux of the whole message I'm introducing to you this morning. By choosing to redeem us before time, he can thereby redeem us out of time. See, in the garden, in this place, until man fell in this place, man was eternal. Adam was in an eternal state with God. He walked with God in eternity. He did not die. God said, in the day you eat thereof, of this tree, you shall surely die. Or in other words, spiritually, you'll be separated from me. You'll be cut off. And God sent him out of the garden. Death to God is separation from his presence. Amen? You'll be separated from it. We'll be separated by that. And so in that area, in eternity, there was no time. But the moments that happened... Time began. So we enter into this parenthetical space that we live in now between here and here called time. And so if God would have waited to come up with a plan for redemption until Adam transgressed and man fell and time began, the best thing he could have done, he couldn't have redeemed us out of time. Are you getting this this morning? 
He couldn't redeem us out of time. He would, ha- he would not have been able to redeem us unto himself for eternity. The best he could have had is just a good life here in time. But 2 Corinthians 5 says God has reconciled us to himself. And he is in eternity. And you carry in you the hope of eternity. Jesus said, he that believes in me will never die. Stand with me this morning. We could do a series on seven ways to a better you. Seven steps to a happy home. I'll give you seven steps. I'll give you one step to a happy home. Get saved. If you're having struggles in your marriage, somebody needs to, if you're having trouble in your marriage, somebody needs to die. Something has to die. Somebody has to let go. Somebody has to quit defending themselves, demanding their right, demanding their way, demanding this. It's, it's, it's an unsanctified relationship. Go back and look at what you're fighting over, arguing over. It's, it's nothing. It has no value. But you're letting it become a wedge between you. And the devil's going, Amen. You're turning yourself into a soft target. Amen. Nothing's more valuable between a man and a woman than your covenant bond together. Not your children. Nothing is more valuable than your covenant relationship between a man and a woman. Amen? That that literally means nothing between. Nothing between. We, We come where there's nothing between. If I hadn't broken the jar... You'd be able to see. There's nothing between the egg and the milk. There's nothing between. There's no shell left. There's no separation. The two are one. Are you listening to me? So important. In your life, that's what it has to be. In your walk with God. What's between you and your walk with God? Well, you know, I I think I I, I can live how I want, you know. As long as I just go to church every now and then and do a little something every now and then and, and, and say the right words and maybe prayer a nice little pray, then I'm okay. No, you're still an egg, dude. You're still an egg. This is still you. Until this life is broken and poured out into Him and your life is mixed with Him, you're still living your life. And that's the lie and the deception of the enemy. You don't have to die. You don't have to live. Bow your heads with me this morning. I'm preaching this as hard as I can this morning. Only because, I mean, we are are so close. There's such an urgency. It amazed me last week when God gave me that message on no more soft targets. And then Saturday, this thing explodes and we enter into this amazing situation that we're in. And, And this might not be it, but the signs of this are are really interesting. So maybe you're here today and wherever you are, my prayer for you is just this, is that you understand nobody can offer your life to Christ but you. The best I can do is teach you. Paul said, I implore you, be reconciled to God. I'm an ambassador here pleading on his behalf. 
Be reconciled to God. Let go of all of your excuses, all of your reasons. Give your life to Him. Say yes to Him. Be reconciled to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for your church today. Lord, I pray for every person in this room. I pray for every person who's watched online today, Father, that by your Spirit, you would touch their hearts right now. Father, that you would show every person in this room, online, wherever they're watching this, exactly where they are in their relationship with you. Holy Spirit, that you would reveal if there's anything in between, if there's anything that needs to be let go of, if there's anything that needs to be released out of their life, Father, that you would show that to them by your Spirit right now in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that every person hearing this today would be reconciled to you by your Spirit through your Son. Now, Father, I bless them today and I bless your Word to them today. Father, may they know that they are in covenant with you and that every provision of your Word is theirs. It belongs to them. It's their inheritance and it's their right and Lord, they can stand on it and believe it and receive it in Jesus' name. Somebody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you. I love you. Have a blessed afternoon. If you can help us with uh, the, the, the festival coming up, meet us out in the foyer here in just a couple minutes. Or actually, just, just meet up here instead of out there. If you'd like to help and be involved, just come. We'll meet here for about five minutes, and we'll be done. And you can go home and eat somebody else's food. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. God bless you.